you have to always be in motion. Biology has never stood still. Like we go from the single cell thing in the ocean to the land, like hopefully one day space, maybe we'll see where we're, where we're going with this thing. Yeah. As, as the tea fairy says, my faith is not that it'll work out for me, but it'll work out for that being at the end of everything that is observing all this through every angle and like took every path to get there and it arrived instantly. Yeah. Greetings, future fossils. This is Michael Garfield welcoming you to another episode of the podcast that explores our place in time. Or at least that's what I've been saying on this show for a while. As we've undergone shuddering transformation after transformation, phases in which I'm more concerned with the emotional processing of accelerating change or the philosophy of science, and the management and integration of an unprecedented efflorescence of information. I mean, kind of the point with this from the beginning was to treat the show as a reasonably diverse sampling of the edges of the human experience in our time. The perspectives that I find both challenging to orthodoxy and also complete unto themselves, well-reasoned. A kind of field anthropology in the emergent discipline of weird naturalism, as articulated by Episode 99's guest Eric Davis in his spectacular new book, High Weirdness. But we're not here to talk about Eric this week. We're here to talk about and with Ramin Nazer, who is just a spectacular human being, one of the most inspiring artists that I personally know, the host of a superb and delicious podcast, Rainbow Brain Skull, <laughs> and overall just a person that makes me feel comfortable in my human experience. So I don't want to go on too long before we begin this conversation, but I have to issue a disclaimer that this is a much more casual armchair episode of Future Fossils than some of the ones I've been putting out lately. A little more raw and authentic, perhaps, than the usual fare on this show, <laughs> so uh, probably not suitable for listening with kids or what have you. That's your call. Also, before we begin, I just want to give my deep and abiding thanks to everyone who has been supporting this show on Patreon. I just released six secret episodes, as well as some intense, lush, and intricate new musical recordings, and digital live paintings from Interplanetary Festival, and notes taken at said festival, and 
the scheduling poll for the next Future Fossils book club video call, which will be taking place uh, over August and September as we unpack the wonders and delights of Xijin Liu's three-body problem and uh, its two sequels. Anyway, I hope that you get from all of this that patreon.com slash Michael Garfield is not only the best way for you to help keep this show independent and ad-free, but is also a veritable fire hose of my own creative effluence, which makes it sound kind of gross. But here we are. It's like 1 a.m. and I'm just going with it. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, everybody, who's been leaving their reviews on Apple Podcasts. It's immensely helpful. And a big thanks to Ramin Nazer for being such a warm and generous and inspiring human being. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation. Enjoy. Oh, you've got the video going, huh? Yeah, motherfucker. Should I, like, see, it'd be kind of difficult for me to do video, but are you doing video the whole time, or you just want to check in? I just, I mean, we, I mean, if your internet sucks, I'm, I'm testing the limits of what my, the new internet in my apartment can do. Oh, new place? The first place you've lived in, in Santa Fe? Yeah, it is, but it's the first time I've had Wi-Fi in this place in the six months that I've lived here. <laughs> oh, damn. How yeah. did that happen? Um, I was a cheapskate. Oh, I don't think moving across the country and having a kid qualifies as a cheapskate. I think you're just at your at the bottom of the barrel probably, right? No, I mean I really I really wanted to uh see if we could just borrow Wi-Fi from a neighbor. Oh, okay. No, and, that makes sense. And all of our neighbors are crazy. Oh, gotcha. Well, I don't know, how do you feel about it? You do you always do video with yours or do you just do audio? I'm I'm always audio. Except when you do it in person, right? Which is most of them. No, I close my eyes and I force the other person to turn around. No, uh, no, I do it in I do it face to face in in real life. But then for the the connection, I do just audio. I want to see your cute face. Let's give it a shot. Let's do it. Okay, hold on one second. Ooh, that is sort of spongly. That's my real. What the background? No, just the grain delay it. as the connection. Like, <laughs> oh, I should get a mic too and move this a little bit. Uh, how come you're not at work right now? Oh, son, I am always at work. This is a problem. I'm I'm not at work at SFI today because I'm on technically on paternity leave. So how old is she now? Like three months? Six weeks. Six weeks? Yeah. Half you just lost that? prices, right? Ah, uh, damn. Uh, two days? No. Is her personality showing yet, or is that too too soon? She's still kind of just a blob. But, like, you can kind of... I think it, my parents say that my personality was evident very early, and I think it, it, it's if you are attentive to, like, nervous system stuff, you know, like they say that they say that they can kind of tell in advance whether a kid's autistic because everything is too intense for them. Uh, and so they avoid eye contact and like that kind of thing. So I think that there's something like that. Like I can tell that this kid is 
you know, like, I don't know whether she's going to want to play the piano or whatever, but like, I can tell that she, that certain things she finds soothing and certain things she finds stimulating. And like, it's, that's probably going to stay the same as she gets older, you know, like she, even when she's like calm, she likes to squirm around a lot. So (laughs) we're both convinced that she's going to be like a dancer. She's going to want to move. I love that post you made when it was announced that, uh, one thing for sure is that we know that she's going to be a velociraptor. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's true. She came out with these long fingernails and toenails actually. And like the first, one of the first things that she did was like claw, uh, like scratch marks into her own face. I was like, this kid is metal as fuck. (laughs) So yeah, I think she, well, we got a lot of, obviously we got a lot of dinosaur themed baby shit from people because of that. Her mom's into it too. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, she's, she's with me. (laughs) <laughs> you know yeah but like so. you never know like it's with with my uh girlfriend my partner my lady my old ball and chain the uh <laughs> like so, some of the stuff i really get into she could not give less of a fuck about but it's like she taps into the wonder in a different way like if i'm trying to show her this youtube video about you know simulation or hollow fractal or i don't know whatever it is the significance of the numbers three six and nine like in that tesla quote like that sort of thing i i saw this video explaining why it's so magical and she like had to turn it off after like 30 seconds like yeah this is just it's not doing anything for me i don't have that mathy brain and what's her thing um she likes animals more more intuitive than uh because i think i was brought up with more scientific parents so i'm always looking for that path to the the magical spiritual through actual skeptic uh hard math like no way around it kind of means not just the the believies which is why i like this show so much it's like it mm. encompasses the perfect amount of like you know what you're talking about and you have people that oftentimes know what they're talking about <laughs> whether it's the science people or if it's the artists like they know what they're talking about too like in their own way yeah um, you brought up uh, archon nair yeah episode. it's one of my top three i think top three are t fairy archon and um maybe the both the onyx ashantis probably dude that guy definitely knows what he's talking about and when he said that we're not going to be able to predict what happens six months from now like forget 10 years from now that was more than six months ago and we're here and you have a kid (laughs) now and you have like a full-time job and archon said that like and and you'll be a completely different michael garfield than you were last week and you are now you're a completely different michael garfield (laughs) like i I went back and listened to it again it's like those three episodes are like records that i would take on a deserted island like like i re-listen to them and they still have the juice to it but um that's funny because the the onyx ashanti ones you know were the ones where he was like in the maker space while there's like all this people are testing robotics and it was painful to edit that episode because you know you're a podcaster and you understand the importance of like auditory hygiene oh yeah but there's very very bad hygiene on that one but but it's worth it though and it actually motivates me because like when i'm worried when i'm over futzing with my audio i'm like uh this isn't that good but i liked the conversation we have i think about you i'm like if michael garfield can put up that onyx ashanti one and i'll go back and listen to it all the time this one can can do it so it's like you're testing the the boundaries of kind of like with an old mckenna talk like it sucks the audio sucks but it's like but it's so interesting that i'm not gonna 
Like, I'd rather listen to that than a high-quality Katy Perry song or something. Ooh, well, you know, there's something about, you know, if if I think about this in terms of archaeological future reflection on these episodes, like, this, I, I actually feel, like, I, I respect the ballsiness of hosts like yourself who are willing to just leave the entire unedited episode up. You know, yeah. on the thing, like I'm usually like when I had Doug Rushkoff on the show, we edited out something like 500 ums. No, it's just like, uh, uh, mm, uh, mm. he's got that kind of like neurotic Jewish New Yorker thing going on, which I do too. And I find usually the parts of the show, when I look at the audio file, I've edited my own <laughs> shit like twice as much as the other people's. But there's something about like, I feel bad doing it because archaeologists love the trash. Yeah, you know, they, they love they love the 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 stuff that you consider noise, you know. That's not what you think of as like the the message you're trying to convey. Yeah, so. I, I like the ums. Like it can get excessive, and certain phrases, like with people, just say like, "Well, once again, I'm not an expert, but blah 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 blah." Like when they keep reiterating something like that, but little speech pattern things, you can't really help it if you. Uh, I think I say like a lot. I shouldn't say like for a 34 or whatever old man I am. I should not be saying it that much. Also, we haven't started yet, have we? Or have we? Oh, I mean, I'm recording and we'll probably include this just because. Oh, okay, cool. Well, I'm just like kind of going back. I'm like backtracking to like, I didn't say anything bad, did I? I make fun of anyone. (laughs) I tried to do an Archon accent for a little bit, but. But that's that's another one. Like, I love the way he speaks too. I love what he's saying, but I love what he the enthusiasm just radiates out of it. Like you can't not be on board with the enthusiasm. Well, that's actually, I, I, I think, you know, that's why I love you, man, is that, you know, that's the, that's a thing that you, the two of you, I think, have in common. You communicate from this place of childlike, abundant curiosity and just an embrace of stuff. Like even even in your cartoons where like your stuff is like dark, it's done in this this way that is just such a loving like the way that you hold those that darkness is is so like friendly and curious and and it's it's hard not to get on board with that. You you and Archon both actually are like a kind of a difficult mirror for me. Because I'm, you know, like snarky, cynical piece of shit. You know, <laughs> and I'm just like I listen to you guys. Are you I'm just really, like, man? I could be approaching this life in a very different way. You know, I'd be getting a lot more out of it. I think you you ask the right questions though. But then again, I don't see you in your private life. Like I don't see your darkest like lows where you're like, what is it? What am I even doing? Why am I painting this? Why am I looping this guitar? Why am I like, who gives a shit? Like it's uh, machines are just going to be able to replicate it anyway. Like any product of my creativity is like going to be moot within three years. Like optimistically, probably six months. Who knows? But it's already obsolete. Like it's weird, you know. Going back to the, for example, the record I made in two thousand five and in some ways it's like wow i was there was stuff i was doing here that was like 10 years ahead of pop music but then also it was sort of i don't know I, i'm curious where, like this is maybe a good place to start with you in the interviewee seat rather than just being a future fossils wank fest <laughs> keep that too or put it on the patreon i'll wank <laughs> it is, all day which is uh it's still my favorite by the way if i haven't said that because the, the the market is always fluctuating but this is still my my number one and I'm uh, now I'm in it. That's crazy. I have the power to control whether I like it as I'm inside of it. Like, Oof, yeah, it's like yeah. okay, this part. It's not my favorite podcast right now. 
<laughs> but now it is. Uh... <laughs> you just steer this into the trash for all your friends. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, this thing about, you know, like I don't, I don't consider being ahead of one's time to be like a good thing. Exactly. Like for the individual. Know, yeah. Well, like it's, yeah. Like for the individual, you know, to have an idea before it can be received culturally, I think is really, uh, it's like you're maladapted to. Oh yeah. It's like you're pulling the slot machine before it actually pays out. Like you're the, the ones that got it to that point where it actually can distribute the jackpot, but you have no, <laughs> nothing to show for it. Yeah. So I guess like, you know, that's, that's sort of where I am with my own ambivalent relationship to thinking that I have an idea of how things will be. But I'm curious how you understand yourself in, in time and how that makes you feel, you know, like where, where are you, where do you, where are you in the, like the, on one, like the, you know, we can limit it to the human kind of cultural historic experience or, you know, where you feel we are in like a cosmic story. But, oh, I think we're in a cosmic story for sure. And you do too. If you actually, um, we can't hold every episode of this podcast, like in our whatever frontal cortex or like hold everything that you learn, like even stuff you said, you probably don't remember like half the stuff you said, even if like you hear it again or someone emails it to you, you're like, Oh, that is cool. I can't believe I, I said that. Uh, but if guy? you did actually have that all like, like in reach, like you would, you would know for sure it's a cosmic story. So at my best, um, of course at my worst, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm beyond nothing. I'm just like the complete, uh, forgotten, of every thing, but the, at, on the good side, of it like we are these historical figures that we are those future people that are digging up the future fossils and you decided to be a michael garfield and i decided to be a me and we're like living out this uh experience as them with the limited uh because what is it the only thing god can't have god is omniscient omnipotent and omnipresent so the one thing he doesn't have is limitation so we put ourselves in these limited things to come experience this virtual reality and learn lessons i know that the the tea fairy said that you know it's all metaphors like she uses the video game metaphor what are you playing for like it's the best video game of all time like our universe like not it has the whole game of thrones universe is just a little like thing in ours the whole marvel universe is just a little thing within ours all those like huge re universes are just a little who cares thing within ours we're in the really really cool one well, at least we think we are, right? But we're like Game of Thrones characters. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. Like, that's, that's like, particularly, I was just listening to your, I was priming myself with your episode uh, with King Rom. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, you got, you're talking about being sort of using the Game of Thrones analogy. But it's funny because, like, in that, in that series, you know, they're going around and, like, uh, there's that whole part where they're all saying, you know, the dead are coming. They're going to tear down the wall. And everyone else is like, that's just a story. And there's something like that with, um, you know, getting anybody to, th to take a step back and take a bigger perspective on the arena in which we have written a narrative about our own lives, you know, and like your, your work is really good in that way. Like you often have, it's like the guy standing outside the door. And like the door is like the door to infinity, you know, and it's about the emotional struggle of deciding to open that door. Yeah. You know? 
that's it's we really don't want to sometimes like we're more afraid of failure or we're equally afraid of success as we are as as failure sometimes would you agree uh i mean it's it's unpleasant to admit that yeah like what if you had a million like tomorrow you just all of a sudden have a million subscribers because i don't know the rock like really gets into you for some reason and then like <laughs> starts like saying like oh you guys gotta check this out then all of a sudden you're just like hoisted up like it's a good problem to have but it's also like no i didn't want it to be that fast i wanted to organically kind of grow and slow success like you don't want just i, I might have brought this up on my show a few times but isn't it wouldn't it be just terrifying if your life got twice as good as it is now and then in an hour it got twice as good as that and then in 10 minutes it got twice as good and then in five minutes later it got twice as good as that and it just <laughs> kept if it just kept exponentially getting good wouldn't you want it to slow down a little bit like no this is too I, I'm just going to be light if that happens I'll just be just this vibration of orgasm bliss or something if I if I don't <laughs> slow this thing down I kind of want the in in the psychedelic experience it happens where you get to that place of like all is well all is perfect like everything i look at is beyond more beautiful than the sistine chapel like sistine chapel is boring compared to just even this carpet and all is fine everything that ever happened is exactly how it should but i'm kind of ready to go back and not be this this perfect thing now i'm kind of ready to go i like answering emails and putting <laughs> out stuff and checking to see who liked it or whatever garbage like it's kind of fun yeah i mean it's one of those things where it's like uh that that coffee mug that says you know money money doesn't solve all your problems but i would love to at least give it a shot oh yeah i'm not one of those people it's not like oh well i wish people could just have money and see that it isn't everything of course it's not everything but it's a lot of it it's like 90 percent of that that you know boot on our neck whatever i'm all about yang gang right now i've like completely i'm on board with the the whole thing andrew yang is uh preaching oh, yeah, yeah, are yeah. you on board with him do you, what do you well, think of okay, his i, don't, I know I, this isn't evergreen because like to hey the people looking at the future fossils now you know who andrew yang is you have the ultra wikipedia so you know what we're, we're talking about yeah well you know the only thing i really know about the dude is that he's crypto positive and universal basic income positive and that he i think he's going for the youth vote <laughs> as far as like, yeah i think he's taken it all i think like it's the the dark horse the same way that trump was where at this point in the last election jeb bush was the front runner and we saw what happened to him so <laughs> i'm i'm guessing a lot of these people that the mainstream media are giving attention to are going to fall by the wayside and he is going to reign supreme because if you look at the, you know, the memes behind him, he's got the best memes. He's he's got that the feel of 2008 Obama, not 2012 Obama. That was different. 2008 Obama. There's not the red states, not the blue states. It's the United States. And now we've got this guy saying it's not left. It's not right. It's forward, which, mm. you know, can be seen as kind of like cheesy or whatever. But you have to when speaking to large numbers of Whatever. But I don't want to make this all about Andrew Yang. Like you can look up an hour of him talking, two hours of him talking if you listeners are interested. But I think he's the he's the guy. But you're right to you're right to bring this up. You know, I, I as a working artist, you definitely I can see the appeal, right? And I'd love to pick your brain then specifically on UBI and why, you know, why you're in support of that. Because I you know, it's it's an interesting conversation. You hear both sides like 
right now, you know, there are a lot of people like Mark Zuckerberg and Lynn Rothschild. Their concern is uh, that if we have extracted too much capital from people, that they can't participate in the consumer economy. Yeah. So, you know, and, this, and you see this with uh, Yuval Harari and, and Bill Gates talking about technological unemployment and how we're going to have to replace all of these jobs with some kind of basic income and then some kind of distracting cultural activity like a religion or ritual stuff, you know, that people can get mixed up in and, and feel some sort of purpose or attachment to so that... But they want to own it, right? They want that, it to but be yeah, their but they're ritual. The ones that's like, yeah, well, we're going to... Well, I mean, I don't know exactly where they some of these folks stand on it, but it's pretty clear that like the Mark Zuckerberg UBI contingent is really just interested in like a pressure release valve to prevent the horde of like torches and pitchforks. Yeah. Right. Bare so, minimum. Like, so like, where, what is, what's your thought on all this business? You're obviously somebody that would be c contributing more value to this world. If you were just given freedom from having to worry about the bottom line. Yeah, I think so. I mean, whatever you want to uh, call value. Another thing he, he brings up is the climate change thing, like how that that's something we have to address immediately. And even though you the U.S. is what only 15 percent of global emissions, even if we stopped everything, it still wouldn't uh, stop the rest of the world, which is in various states of development. So you can't force them to all go solar or whatever they have to use their their things. But for the UBI uh, specifically. From what I understand, it won't create inflation because of uh, that happens when you print new money. And generally, we like to work. So it's not like if you get a thousand bucks a month, I don't want to work anymore. We like to, as human beings, we like to be productive and do stuff. And the money is going to come from the extra value that's going to be generated from having all these robots doing all the work. Because before there wasn't robots, before it would be weird to have UBI and you know so you just say you train stuff but the jobs are all going away the retail workers are going away truck drivers are going away uh, who else is already gone call centers are going away as the AI gets better it's all going away and instead of having like guaranteed jobs which sounds stupid like no one wants to go to extra jobs and like just push papers around it sucks and is smelling other people's lunches and the stupid <laughs> break room and the the meetings and the I just, I always just didn't like having to go to a building and not get, like, it doesn't measure your productivity. It's only measuring whether you go to the building or not. Like, I always just thought that was so dumb. So, wait, so wait should we be, should we, we, we be basing value on productivity? No, we shouldn't be basing it on uh, GDP. It should be, like, it's tough to base what our value is like he's uh yang is saying humanity first human-centered capitalism we should start valuing like you know he brings up his wife stays home with his son with autism like what does the gdp value that nothing what is uh you know no one the market doesn't value that and none of us wake up excited for gdp like yes but the automation is making the gdp go way up while like a ton of people are getting shafted so so I, who owns I, the robots uh, Jeff in Bezos, your... Mark Zuckerberg, uh, Elon Musk, and who else? Who's the third one? Tim Cook, I guess. Those four dudes. Tim Cook, Eric Schmidt, maybe. Yeah. So, like, but I mean, in this, in an in a universe where things are just, who owns the robots? Like, not just those five dudes, right? Ooh, who does own the robots? I mean, 
hopefully we could go back to Native American style where they're not owned. They just are like, you can't own a tree, man. You can't own the robots. Like it just is, but how I can make that happen or how I can even suggest why that would make sense. Oh man, I don't know. I'm an idiot. I draw cartoons and, and animate and stuff. And it's so easy to just like have all these opinions about, you know, politics and then just step away from it and be like, no, no, I'm an idiot. I actually don't know how the economics work but i do want it to be like star trek you know where they're on the ship they still do stuff but they're not like hustling to make enough money to buy stuff out of the replicator they can get any food they want from the replicator they can go have whatever fantasy they want in the holodeck but they still find that even though they have those base desires met they still want to go interact with the real world because we have like this curiosity about like what is this real thing we're we're in right now i think we all still want to do that do you uh have you been watching discovery no i haven't is it good i fucking love it i feel really? like which feel star like... trek did you get into because i fell off like halfway through deep space nine and then i never uh, got into voyager i never did either i was i was totally just like a next generation if Hell yeah but i was really a star wars kid right because there's the, the collectible card game and the role playing and like they the world building was just at least from the angle I was accessing it as a kid, it was just so much richer in but Star then, Wars in Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. But then like, you know, the prequels happened and then George sold out to Disney. And now I feel like things have flipped and like the new, like Star Trek discovery is more intelligent and more meaningful. I'm going to give it a try Star now. Star Wars stuff that's coming out. I, right I trust now. your I trust your recommendations. Like I read Accelerando because of you and oh, oh man, yeah. that was Dude. like a a shifting point in my in my life. Like I'm always going to remember that week where I was reading it and the new ways it, it I I describe it as being a a black mirror episode on every page. Like it's introducing <laughs> a new technology every page and it's just speeding up, speeding up, speeding up. And you're like, how is this going to and you, you have trouble following it and you realize the characters have trouble following it. And it, it, it does get a little messy at times, but I, I was happy with it. And even how it, how it wrapped up, I thought uh, I want to go into more Charles Strauss. I think did you read the sequel? Thing. No, I didn't know there was a sequel. Dude, there's, well, it's not, it's not a, like a proper sequel. It's like uh, what they call, I guess they call it a, like a side cool. Okay. It's like so it later, at the same time. Well, it's like later in the same world. But there's a there's a he has a book Glass House, which is sort of about what happens when everyone has sort of this promise of digital immortality, and we've we've all sort of we're all sort of escaped from that runaway economic chain reaction, and human society has spread out into interstellar space, and yet there's this question of like. This is this is something I'd like to explore with you, just in general, as sort of like the dark side of the thing that you want. Oh yeah, you know, because always going to have the like, shadow. Yeah, that's what I'm poking at with UBI. Also, but it's like in this in this thing, it's like, well, you never really die, so you can't be murdered. So, like the first scene of that book is they've reintroduced like ritual sword combat, and that's just how people just take out their grievances on each other by murdering each other with swords because they'll just reboot you in a bar yeah like, five minutes later and then like those people the only way that you can sort of fight a war in that world is by hacking people 
into joining your side and think th- thinking they were on your side the whole time. <laughs> so like people get sick of this shit. It's like a paranoid nightmare. And so you get this, you get this thing where it's like the future of humanity is like half of humanity is constantly pulling out of the heaven that we've created and saying, no, I'd rather die like at a hundred than live in this sort of heaven that is so complicated and mysterious that I, you know, I don't know where to find myself in it. Yeah. Man, but what about like what about the first fifty years of that mysterious heaven? Like maybe a thousand years, you get sick of it. But I think there's something to be said about the initial. Like I, you were saying like the the dark side of every uh of every you know utopian fantasy. I always I always do the opposite. Like when I watch a dystopian sci-fi thing, like Black Mirror, for example, I'm always thinking like, yeah, that's following that character. But what about the the girl's brother, who's like pretty happy with his two point seven social score and he just plays video games all day (laughs) that seems better than the black plague or like lynch mobs in the 30s or just little things like that it's like it's kind of it's not bad right we still got work to do but don't we always don't we always have some work there are no perfect amends here you get you get to just keep on getting there as esperanza spaulding says Ooh. so what is it do you want that you're afraid of getting oh man in the moment, like, I, I want to say that I'm fearless, but I know that's not true. Like, I, I've, I've always wanted more, um, I've never wanted empty fame, but I always welcome more people finding out about me and, and liking me and having a bigger, uh, following, I guess, for lack of a better word. I don't like using the word fan or following unless I also say with it, like, people are, are not like your fan. They're fans of lots of stuff and you're one of the the things. Like we all get into lots of stuff. No one's like a pure you fan. It's it's a lot of things. But yeah, more um I guess yeah, larger we all want that larger community, don't we? Like we want that big tribe, like the tribe that we belong in, that we have a a, a role in, that we get to provide value and other people we enjoy there value that they provide no friction you know complete <laughs> frictionless good like having a good what, what i imagine burning man is but i've never been to burning man so it's like what i imagine the the utopia of it is but fear uh like i i fear losing other other people like you know if uh, something were to happen to like my girlfriend my family the cat things like that but I don't I don't fear for their consciousness. Like I, I don't think that they're done after that. I think that they will be somewhere else. Like awareness is. It's they're gonna they're gonna be fine, but it's the not getting to talk to them anymore, not getting to see them. That's that scares me. But were you asking about career specifically? Well, I don't know. I mean I you definitely I know when you had Michelangelo on the show, you had a similar kind of riff on there about I'm getting some really good I don't know what it was like. I had Duncan on the show and I got a bunch of Duncan's fans and just the sense of like you brought up earlier, just the sense of like, at what point does it become unmanageable or does a difference in quantity create a difference in kind? And suddenly this thing is not what I thought it would be. And I just like, there's, there's something about that. Your work, you play around so much with this, this notion of, desire and expectation and anxiety and it's clear that you you muse about this stuff all the time and yet you come out of it with a you know like a, a you you come out of it in a way that is working to inspire lots of people oh i hope you know? so yeah, yeah. cuz there's uh 
I still do stand up, but I used to do more stand up. And my goal was more like being one of those, like having the special. And uh, I remember a specific feeling when I did the late, late show and the clip was being shared on, on Facebook at a time when the algorithm was very like, it wasn't ready for that. Remember how before they weren't even prepared for birthdays. So if you like wish someone happy birthday, like the whole Facebook world would just be that person's birthday. They didn't figure out that like, oh, okay, we have to put that in a little box so that it doesn't <laughs> yeah. just make the whole world. But at the time, like 2011, my face just like appeared everywhere, like on Facebook, just the whole thing was just me, that same picture, which is like, you know, the dream, like, yeah, I did it. I'm like successful comedian. I'm not because before I was operating out of like, oh, like no one thinks you're a comedian. You're like a, a failure and just uh, open micer. And they probably think that if they came and see, saw you, it would be terrible. And then when I had that, I had all this like weight from from, you know, you're worried about what people you went to high school think of you. Like that's stupid garbage when you're in your your <laughs> 20s. And it's like it, it happened. And then I'm seeing all these people like like it and share it. And like I'm getting that that love, like having 10 birthdays on on one day and you're getting that attention, but then you feel like, uh, like some people who know me are happy for me, but I'm also causing pain to some people by like, who knows where they are in their life. And they're like, ah, I suck. And then they, they see this guy, like success guy achieves success. Here he is (laughs) being more successful than you. And it's not like providing any value. And then it kind of made me think like, it's not always good to have like your face there and being on a poster like we I think it's why we don't like celebrities a lot of the time I might have taught talk about this but you're at the grocery store you're wondering if your card's gonna go through or get declined and then there's just these people with lots of money and like attention and everything and from your point of view they have all their needs met and they're on the magazines right before the checkout and then so you see them get divorced and all this stuff. So you're like, yeah, the people are <laughs> like the can afford the stuff or getting it. They're losing it in the divorce. So it's it's a weird uh, dynamic. You don't want to be famous in a way that you're subjecting yourself to people that wouldn't be into you or are just kind of trying to go for a walk in the park. They don't want to see a billboard about your show. Yeah, well, it's I mean, the same thing I've been reading a lot about city level economic development and how like years ago this guy Richard Florida wrote this book The Rise of the Creative Class where he was arguing that what we needed to do was get smart people into the cities creative people into the cities where they could create these like tight little kernels these incubators where all of this innovation and and wealth could be generated then he realized years later he he took it all back and he was like it it's a terrible idea to gather all of those people in one spot so that like it just hikes up real estate values and then it creates these these sort of like impossible places like San Francisco or Austin where sort of like everyone wants to be but they can't pot you can't pot, like we're having trouble i think as a species reconciling our sort of monkey or our primate hierarchy thing where we compare ourselves to the people that we see with the fact that the people that we see is now like a world stage you know, and like there's these like superstars that like and like, you know, for example, like Jeff Bezos, like talking shit about Jeff Bezos is like the new American <laughs> pastime. You know, it's like and it's it's not like he's actually happier than anybody. It's no, just that, I saw those texts to the, the Mitch mistress or whatever. Like it seemed it did not seem like something Jeff Bezos would 
would send. I thought he would be like so far, like he, I thought his sex life would be something that couldn't even be described to me. Like I would need to sit in a class for a month to even begin to grasp it. But he's just <laughs> another primate like us, like trying to figure out, uh, have we talked about the, the significance of the names of these monoliths such as Amazon, uh, you know, Kindle, a book burning reference, Apple eating the apple from the, the tree of knowledge or versus the tree of life. Like it's, it was like destined to, to be these four big things. I don't know where Facebook and uh, what's the other one. Google come in as well. well as Google sim- is the unthinkably large number. Yeah. Okay. Know? That works too. What is it? Like, I forget. It was like uh 10 with 23 zeros after it or something like that. It's like, Oh, it's I spelled, didn't know it had a differently. G O O G O L. The mathematical yeah, go- thing? Google, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, th- that is that is funny. So uh, what is in a name? And uh, yeah, I think it was like, it was actually um, William Irwin Thompson that, that I first heard talk about that in terms of like, we, we, we cut down forests to create libraries, you know? And there's something like super fucked about Amazon being like the place that is... It's circulating material goods, unlike the actual Amazon, which is literally responsible for circulating water through the atmosphere of our yeah, planet. Yeah, it's know? turning it inside out. Yeah. So I don't know. What are your... You got a, a second layer on that, I imagine? Hmm. You imagine. But do I? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know if I do. I mean, I can make something up. Um, well, do you think... I guess the question is, do you think that... Bring it back to time. Do you think that there's something about the resonance of these images or these archetypes and the the success of these organizations and do you think that there's like their success like uh, terence mckenna's strange attractor at the end of time do you think that their success is actually sort of prophesied or like that it's it's sort of guaranteed it wouldn't surprise me if we see if we see where this goes, it wouldn't surprise me if that happened to be the case. Like, do you think there is a point where eventually we'll be closer to the transcendental object at the end of time than we are away from it? And then at that point, it'll be like tough to convince whatever people are called then like that. No, time used to be driven by like this. We thought it was like being driven forward, like from like a big bang. It's like, no, that's stupid. Like, look, the attractor is right there. I don't see a big bang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's too far now. But before it made more sense for it to be seen as uh, going ahead. That's actually uh, another sci-fi series I read. John C. Wright's Eschaton sequence, where it's like, six six books i'm not recommending this to you per se because it's such an investment but uh i still have to finish blind sight oh dude yes do it yes but um yeah talk about a black mirror episode that's like Mm -hmm. this the scariest work of sci-fi ever but the thing with the john c wright's series is that it follows humankind over like tens of thousands of years and exactly that kind of thing happens in there where the earth has been worked over so many times by these great wars and ecological catastrophes. Humankind has no history, but we're like vastly more sophisticated than we used to be, but it's all been like worked over so many times that our historians are actually thinking about they're like future scientists. They're it's all predictive and it's all about trying to tweak these predictive algorithms towards 
specific future outcomes. So it's like a long, like rather than having an argument about how to interpret history, it's an argument about how to interpret all of these different visions of the future that we might inhabit and like which ones do we actually want to inhabit becomes the the dominant conversation so they all exist right and we're just uh we're deciding where we tune into who knows i think that makes more sense than i mean at the end of the day we're just playing with words like exist non-existence whatever and frequency uh but i always like the idea of every reality just it just is everything is because you can't have nothingness like what is that like you can have everythingness though because hey we've got everythingness does that make any sense maybe i'll think of a better way to well i thought that, so but... i thought so you know I, I talked to the author of time loops Eric oh Gordon. colin frangicetto just sent me that dude it's hey colin yes. you probably listen to this hi colin, colin. listens to more yeah. podcasts than i do and i listen to a lot of podcasts but he's like he's on it he listens to all the stuff Hey, He's a Colin, guy, though, we so. see you. Yes. <laughs> okay, now fuck off. We're going to talk about non-use stuff. Yeah, yes. time loops. That's good. So that book, man, I, yeah, I think Colin like got looped into a Twitter conversation I was having with the author where he was basically saying that if a measurement can influence the outcome of uh, history, you know, like that we see, we see this sort of, there's one interpretation of quantum physics is that the measurement isn't collapsing a waveform of possibility into the actual, but that the quantum indeterminacy or randomness or whatever that we observe at the very beginning of the experiment is actually information from the future, but it's information we can't make sense of like a precognitive dream that doesn't make sense until the events unfold in your waking life. Oh, and so, so it's still kind of a, it's still kind of a magical, uh, explanation of it whereas what's the other one pilot wave theory is is saying that well there's some other variable we're not looking at that's doing right it, but this is saying that it's retrocausal right and he says if you include retrocausation then you don't need to invoke the many universes idea at all because it's not like what we're seeing as randomness is actually the influence of a parallel universe where the different choice is made or whatever he says, he's like, this is all just, you just tie this all up neatly that the universe has one timeline and it's just one big fractal of Mobius strips of like future observations, completing the information about, you know, their own history. Ooh. So like we, we talked about this after I, I recorded an episode with him, but we, this one was after we stopped the recording where I was asking him about that book, who built the moon, like how weird the moon is. He made and, that book? No, but but I asked him if he had read it. Cause, oh, yeah. You know, the like, moon, the moon, something is up with the moon. It is totally not. I don't know if it's a hologrammed whatever spy spaceship <laughs> or any of that garbage, but it is not just some rock that's coincidentally the same uh, size as the eclipse and the, the ratio is the same as the... Yeah, Crap, I should kind of remember it. Like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, the, some, the, there's a lot of coincidences that if you look up, it's like, okay, well, isn't that... Isn't that something? It's too on the nose. Yeah. And so like the authors of the book don't offer any kind of answer to that. But it seemed to me like the answer would be the Eric Wargo time loop, right? That like we have this bizarrely perfect thing in the sky that allowed life to evolve that we don't see anywhere else on any of these other lifeless planets, you know, and and we can explain that away by just saying, oh, you know, ours is the universe in which this happens or, you know, ours yeah. is the perspective. Every but other then, thing does, but we're in the one that did. Yeah. Yeah. But, but that's like unsatisfying 
in a way that alternately framing it as why is the the moon and the sun the same size right now not just at some point in earth history but like when there are people standing on the planet to see it you know and it's like well if there is some sort of retrocausal influence where you know it's like there's a future that exists and a past that exists and they have to like handshake somehow uh you know like like or maybe there are and we got it like he doesn't like this but i was like maybe it is like an infinite multiverse and it's all possible pasts and all possible futures but then like the only ones that link up on the quantum switchboard are the ones where you can actually tell a coherent story you know where it's like the present has to make sense in order for the you to have that past and that future yeah so i don't know how you i don't know how you resolve there's a sort of like to me equally valid versions of this where there's only one timeline or where there's infinite possible timelines but then there's the simulation uh you know way of looking at it where to have all those timelines all at the same time that would take a lot of processing power to just have those running the whole time like it makes more sense to it to be generated as you're tuning into it Mm, like uh what is it no man's space no man's sky i think no man's sky yes thank you space actually would be more accurate i haven't even played it but i really love the the idea behind it i think i'm gonna pop in a little later after i don't know once they've got ais on the planet and you can talk to people and man that uh that episode you released the history of the end of reality is that the title of it oral history of the end of reality the oral yeah there we go the oral history of the end of the reality also just complete that's like that's one of the best (laughs) things that's on the internet right now and i don't know how much of that you carry around with you and continue to think about i find myself revisiting it every now and then but yeah like when you say like the telemarketing got really bad there for a while and there was (laughs) there was also periods in which it was fun. Like, it's fun talking to AIs. Like, it really is like talking to another person. Like, what was it like talking to Henry VIII, talking to Lincoln, talking to Elvis, whatever. You can talk to, to anyone. And, of course, spirals uh, a little crazier than that before you know it. But th- those moments within that, like, for example, deep fakes. I found myself just laughing so loud at deep fakes the other day, like watching pete davidson's head on ariana grande's body while she gives a very like heartfelt speech but it looks exactly like just his face on her body and while that person's being serious and it just shows the the playfulness and ridiculousness of reality like all this serious shit that we have like oh schindler's list the serious movie and like sally field and a serious thing that's all going away in five years any kid with just a regular computer can make whatever movie that we put on a pedestal, replace the face with his own, replace any lines with his own. It's, it's going to be crazy for those of us who are into ridiculousness. But yeah. for those of us who are like, oh, I can't believe this person covered, you know, this Jimi Hendrix song. They ruined the song by covering it. Oh, wait, wait until you see, my friend. We're, <laughs> we're just getting started. Dude, that reminds me of um, years and years ago. And I... I think I've told this story on the show before, but I can't recall. Years and years and years ago, I had a uh, an acid trip in my friend's apartment in Kansas City. And that day, I had been... My little brother had a birthday party in Lawrence, Kansas, where they had like one of those... It was the first time I'd ever seen one of these like permanent game... Like home console game installation 
spots where the whole place was set up like a living room with like big recliners and you know like a like a bar where you could buy all these like snacks and stuff and it was by the hour you could just play whatever video games you wanted and that's where he wanted to go for his birthday so i was there and they behind the counter was this this can of shit called the Jimi Hendrix liquid experience. (laughs) And I was like, what the fuck is this shit? This is such an offense to the memory. (laughs) And it was licensed by his family. You know, it was like experience Hendrix LLC. Yeah, totally. So like that night I was tripping at my friend's apartment and God, this had to have been like 10 years ago. But, uh, I feel like all the psychedelic stories I tell on this show are ancient, but anyway, the, once you get the message, hang up the phone, right? I, or at yeah, least for a little bit, at least don't talk about the ones that happened last year. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, but, uh, they said, um, so in this situation, my friends had what they called the Zen room, which was like where they had the lava lamp and the black light and the incense tray and all the shit. I'm into it. And there was a, a poster of that famous photo of Jimi Hendrix where he's like coming out of the smoke. And he's just standing there looking like a badass. Mm-hmm. And I remember I like I took a breather alone in that room at one point that night. And I just remember looking at that poster and being like, I can't believe what they did to you, man. I can't believe what they did to you. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix liquid experience, dude. What is this shit? <laughs> and then Jimmy, the fucking I, I, I've never had an experience like this before or since the fucking Jimi Hendrix poster looked me in the eye and was like, man, that shit ain't Jimmy. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god, you're right. You're right. It doesn't matter. Like there's something there's something in like an intrinsic and invulnerable dignity that like no matter how many times somebody sticks my face onto some porn star and then like has me do things that I wouldn't want to be seen doing in public or whatever. You know, I think we're just going to get used to it to the yeah. degree that it's like it's not going to bother us the way it would bother us now. That happened to me in college, actually. I was going to visit some friends and they had pranked me and my roommate by printing out all these like hardcore gay pornographic images of each other basically fucking each other in the ass with our faces painted <laughs> on it. And at the time, you know, of course, it's like it's a shock like they, they got us. But now it's like it's nothing to to bat an eye at, especially because... I don't know, porn in general, are you, like, I feel like it's a thing that's not talked about a lot because it's taboo, but the way in which it's exploded over the last 10 years and, you know, there's all these studies like, oh, what it does to your brain, it desensitizes you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, you can get carried away, as with anything, with alcohol or anything, but the good effect of that is, like, it is kind of good to be a little uh, desensitized to, to certain things. I don't think that, I don't know, we should be walking around super sensitive to bodies and like everything should be able to like trigger ultimate arousal like it, it <laughs> it's, it's like kind of a good thing i was thinking about how because i used to just download lots of pornography and like get from the ftp sites the torrent sites like save it onto the hard drive like have all this thing in your and, underground bunker just in case oh yeah I? yeah like and, apocalypse <laughs> porn storage or even if it's a utopia i still want to have it but like looking it's like this kind of scarcity driven model of it and now there's like more being generated every day than you could ever do with in a hundred lifetimes and it like it changed my behavior and it's like i don't i don't need to like uh do this it's just kind of all uh infinity is just always there 
and as a result of it, like, like I wasn't like looking back, I was much more of a, a porn user than now. It's almost like the, the fact that it's all there. It's like, I don't even need to go do anything with it because it's always all there. Dude. Okay. So to that point, the, that's why I think the whole like Protestant American Puritan kind of vibe is just so, so mistaken. Like I was having a conversation, speaking of Burning Man, uh, I think that one of the best things about Burning, and I haven't gone in a few years, but one of the best things about the Burning Man as I've experienced it is that, um, you, you're, you get acclimated to seeing nudity really quickly. Oh yeah, that's and, what I hear. Yeah, and so like for you know the first day, you see these people. You can tell like they showed up on Wednesday at Burning Man because they're still walking around like, whoa, look, yeah, look at all the titties. <laughs> and then like, but if you've been there since Monday, then by Wednesday you're just sort of like, oh, and hello, naked person. It's a pleasure to meet you. I'm going to give you a hug. Like you don't even <laughs> think anything of it. Like the only thing that like I remember at one point, the only thing that caught my attention was how many cock piercings this dude had. Oh, I was just like, yeah. wow, that's an unusual number of cock piercings. Like, and I, I would never have known that if he weren't walking around naked. Like, where are they going through? Like, of course, one through the, what is it, the Prince Edward through the urethra, and then, like, the rest are what down the, like, it was shaft? Like a, it was like an H.R. Giger, like, spinal column. It was just like a zipper. I guess some I'm, people are into it or, like, gives a nice, cold, <laughs> weird sensation or something. But, oh, man, that just sounds like something that most people wouldn't accept a million dollars to do. Well, maybe he's maybe he's a nipple guy, and the, the that's a for her kind of a thing. I don't know, but like, but I remember, I think it was that same year, I had a conversation with uh, this uh, Dutch artist Dada Ra, Daniel Rosenberg. He was on the show, I think, episode thirty something. Okay, um, and this was twenty thirteen, and he was talking about. You know, everybody's talking about Edward Snowden and Google Glass and like this whole the other shoe dropped and everybody knew we had no privacy anymore, but they were still fighting it back when um, we cared before Alexa. Yes. Yeah, we don't care um, about privacy. We we care about time. Like we'll give up privacy for time at any any crossroad. We'll give it up. Yeah. So like he was saying, you know, the he was expressing this concern about the the worry, you know, that we were going to lose something some sort of innate dignity. And, and I was like, I don't know, like look at nudist colonies, you know, like rather than his version of the future in which, you know, every, you know, like these kids are going to have this, this lifelong history of embarrassing shit. That's like on their permanent Facebook thing, you know, and they just, everyone can blackmail everyone. I was like, or look at the other side of it. Everyone can blackmail everyone. Yeah. So like nobody, it's like no, everyone's got shit on everybody else. So it stops being shit. Like there's, there's no, like there's no need to conceal your genitals in a nudist colony. And like, even if, even if we're all being like dragged out in the street and forced to participate in this system, it's not going to result. I don't think, I think it will, like you said, I think it'll ultimately just make it so that this stuff doesn't hold this powerful emotional charge for us anymore. It doesn't like hold us captive to these taboos and like these. Yeah. Like the whole, uh, you know, the people saying like, Oh, she was asking for it. She was dressed scandally clad. Like, no, even fully nude should not be, uh, asking for it. It should be like a thing where nudity is not, uh, immediately like a sexual trigger where people cannot help themselves by the, 
the the nudity and sex they're being like you got to get over that shit like that's fine <laughs> if you're like going through it in your head or whatever but it shouldn't affect your um you know behavior and have to force other people to be close plus that whole like skeletons thing you're talking about and like if everyone or not not skeletons uh, the if but the blackmail thing like well if everyone has skeletons black- in the closet yeah 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 you can't blackmail people if audio and video is no longer admissible in court as you oh, said like shit. like yes. you can make any uh that's what the deep conspiracy of the um the people saying like the the you know the deep state the people in charge it's all a big child sex trafficking ring and they they film them doing like really terrible stuff to be able to blackmail them later and then like some of the big conspiracy people are afraid of how video is no longer going to be admissible and then actual videos of these political figures performing these acts will not be believed because oh no no that's fake and then people well, say that's no just it's like the ufo thing right like there's that that documentary the mirage men oh i haven't seen it how i frankly neither have i i'm being a total jason <laughs> silver here and talking about shit with which i have no experience but wait but, uh, wait oh wait actually i'm gonna put a pin in that but keep <laughs> keep talking yeah but um yeah this there was the documentary that came out that I've been wanting to watch for some time. It was behind a paywall, so I didn't. So now I'm just bullshitting about it. But it's about the history of U.S. intelligence agencies seeding the New Age countercultures with UFO-positive misinformation, where it's like they're trying to confuse the evidence that we actually have with, like, disreputable fake evidence. Oh. And, And so, like, this is actually, like, all of these things that we're talking about right now are already like they're based on templates of stuff that the intelligence agencies have been working on, you know, this kind of like, how do you, how do you increase the noise in the channel of evidence to the point that when people are looking at evidence, they don't believe it. You know? Yeah. We're heading there. Yeah, for sure. There's always going to be that. It really is that yin yang thing. Like every step you take, the other one is going to follow behind you a little bit. And what was another line from that oral history of the end of reality like good encryption like can be thwarted by like good quantum computing so like anything we encrypt like it's always just one step away from being caught you have to always be in motion biology has never stood still like we go from the single cell thing in the ocean to the land like hopefully one day space maybe we'll see where we're where we're going with this thing i think it's both i think we I think we branch out into space and also we climate change ourselves to oblivion and both realities are just there and whichever one we tune into. I'm hoping mm. to tune into the one where we make it and keep doing our thing. Yeah. As, as the tea fairy says, the my faith is not that it'll work out for me, but it'll work out for that being at the end of everything that is observing all this through every angle and like took every path to get there and it arrived instantly yeah, you had a pin. You said oh, you put the a pin. pin in the conversation. Oh yeah, you were saying like uh, J- the only thing I know about Jason Silva is that he was on Joe Rogan like back in the early Rogan days, and he just quotes McKenna a lot, but like very passionately in the in the woods and has videos. But like, what's his? Does he have dirt or something? Is he is he up to some bad stuff or just? Well, I heard that he I heard that he finally took psychedelics recently. I haven't. Wait, been he like... never took psychedelics before. Right, right. What he was talking about all right, this stuff. right. My buddy Randall Roberts, who I've been trying to get on this show for years, the the you know the painter uh, Randall Roberts, who uh, he does 
you know, teaches at the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors with uh, his partner, Morgan. With my wife, Allison. And yes, I. The, the, they love. Yes. Alex and Allison love the Randall and Morgan. They love they love painter couples. You know, it's like, oh, oh yeah, they got a little mentees, uh, which is beautiful. But I love Ra- Michelangelo's uh, Alex Gray impression God, so much. Yes. And, yeah, and his McKenna's dead on. But also his Alex is wonderful. He, I loved when he broke that down on your show when he was like, all you have to do is like make slight changes to the, the cadence. And yeah. you, get, you get this whole like, there's this whole spectrum of, I forget, it was McKenna, Alex Gray, and who else? He did who, Slavov Zizek before oh, I knew who he was. So like, yes. it, it didn't affect me. But then later on, I'm like, oh yeah, that is dead on. <laughs> but while but, he did it, it was just crickets. But yeah, Morgan, I mean, uh, Randall, Randall a while ago, it was funny. It was like, we were, we were in Australia uh, two years ago on doing a festival tour together. And then he told me that he posted something on Facebook about how Jason Silva has never done psychedelics, which at the time I guess was true. And he compared it to uh, like being a virgin sex therapist. <laughs> and then like every, like the, the thread blew up so much and got like 200 comments in like half an hour and he had to shut it down. Oh, it was just like He was just like, I can't, I can't deal with this. You know, I don't want to be like the shit talking dude. It like, it was like what you were saying earlier. It's like if, if you put out this thing and then it just returns exponentially and you're like, yeah. fuck, 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 I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready to be the guy who like, you know, publicly denounces the fact that this dude has no idea what he's talking about. But... Do you remember when that lady like made an AIDS joke on Twitter while she's flying to Africa? And then as she got off the plane, like she was met with the whole angry mob and, if you looked up her name, like during her flight, like just search her name, it would show the flight info, like on Google of that person. So like she had no idea what was, uh, and it was a harmless joke, whatever, just the kind of hacky AIDS Africa joke heading to Africa. I got to get my AIDS vaccine or something dumb like that. I do that. worry about that though. Like in terms of, you know, again, like the superstar effect and being visible to everybody, what's stopping the future from just being like one giant lynch mob flash mob oh you know like what's stopping like if any if somebody says something inappropriate it's basically i say inappropriate shit on the show all the time you say inappropriate shit on your show all the time and what's preventing these more efficient and rapid and sort of spontaneous forms of organizing people collectively politically from that just becoming this you know like a like Marshall McLuhan talked about that, like neo-tribalist sort of shunning and gang warfare type. Yeah, of I don't think there is stopping it. I think it's the it's basically it's the youth kind of showing that they have a voice, right? Because they didn't have Chuck Palahniuk talked about it a lot, like because I think he was asked about what he thinks of the new political correctness, social justice warrior age, and all this, and trying to police pronouns, like the whole thing, Jordan Peterson, like you know, the sword he's dying on, like, no more pronoun laws. It's not good, bucko. <laughs> and then and then uh, Chuck Polanuk's response to it is like, no, I just think that it's the, the youth are showing that they, they have a voice right now and they didn't get to exercise. They had no power up until now and they see that they have this power. So they're playing with it and, and doing that. And I don't think it's going to go on forever. I think they're going to, like, we see it with, the outrage culture it has died down a little bit compared to what 2017 18 i'm seeing less like people being canceled and fired and 
stuff. It's like oversaturated now. Me Too was really good. And then Me Too kind of hit a point where like Aziz Ansari or whatever, like I think that was a, a turning point where people were like, no, that sounds like a bad date. It doesn't sound like assault. It just sounds like kind of like bad emotional intelligence, not picking up signals, who knows what actually happened kind of thing. But this is not what Harvey Weinstein did and what Louis C.K. did and those kind of things. So then it, it, it gets to a point where like, okay, then that dies down a little bit. But I don't think there's ever going to be an end to those types of uh, mobs. Yeah. I mean, maybe you're right that it's like there's something about, oh, we can turn the rock over. So now let's turn every rock over and then you run out of rocks. Yeah. You know? And it's like, well, okay, now everything is just all of those bugs are just dying in the sunshine now and now what you know but i don't know okay so i want to like i love this sort of like freeform shit but i i really but (laughs) but i feel like i'm blowing an opportunity having you here on the show without no lead the way i'll like i i derail a lot so you uh you command it i'm like uh I mean, I'm derailing it right now a little bit, but I really <laughs> like I, I trust your leading of it and going into this. Like, I know I'm putting pressure on myself, but I'm like, man, I I hope I'm like a I hope I'm a good episode. You know, oh like, man, people, you're a great episode. People tune in like they want a good episode, and sometimes an episode can just be like a like a stupid idiot talking about their their life. Not on this so, show. This show's got all good episodes. But. So I'm uh I'm I'm in your Instagram right now. Oh, cool! I should go too. Yeah. Which is like usually the first thing I see because of the algorithm, you know, the Insta archons. Oh, it works in my favor. Huh? No, yeah, it does. They know that I love leaving silly, snarky comments on your Instagram feed. <laughs> but like, there's something. Okay, I want to get into this one that you just put up recently. Again, it's it's a guy standing in front of a door. It's a ten panel strip. Everything I ever looked forward to came and went. Now I'm sitting here asking, where's the next one? Instead of sending thank you letters to the visitors who brought joy and didn't overstay their welcome, I can't believe it all actually happened. My countless desires actually happened. My unlikely existence actually happened. All those memories actually happened. My connection to all actually happened. My current life itself actually happened. We're in it. An impossible notion actually happened. And then the last panel is a knock on the door. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, so like normally, like this one was, normally your stuff is like really just getting at how people need to get over their, cut through their neurotic feelings about their own creative life. And it, that, you know, it's all technicolor and probably, you're probably like the dude that has launched a thousand art careers because of this. Oh, um, that'd be cool. Yeah. I, so. I think, I mean, I think that's, I think you are like a Julia Cameron type you know, artist's way type dude. That's like just spawning creator people. But like this one felt more elderly or like eight, like wise, like reflective, you know, like old Ramin, you know, sitting there and it's like more ambiguous, sort of more unresolved. And I want to hear like, like, how does this work? Like, where did these, where did these come from? Where did that one come from? I want to ask you about your process and your process with this piece in particular and where your head was at, especially around the fact that this character in the, in the panels admits like I wasn't, I'm I'm not sending thank you letters. Yeah. That, that it's like, there's something in there that's like, 
so meaningfully different from the emphasis that a lot of sort of inspirational types that I think would fit into your sort of like general niche kind of emphasize the like, yeah, I'm grateful all the time <laughs> or, but like there's something. Oh, so I hate like that more than this. most. Yeah. Let's see the open-ended part of it. I guess, yeah, I guess it is a little open-ended because it addresses that any desire you have is also going to leave because the momentum you use to bring it into your life you can't stop it into your life. Like you can slow it down, but as you're summoning it, it has the momentum and that momentum is going to carry until it is uh, away from you. Like uh, the whole Buddhist thing, like getting what you want is, or not getting what you want is suffering, getting what you want is suffering. Cause you're going to lose it. Getting what you don't want, of course, is suffering. Cause it's the thing you, you don't want, but you know, you, uh, whether it's, you have a, a partner or, you know, a child, a pet, any, anything, it's going to eventually, whether you die first or they die, you're going to eventually experience one day you are going to be standing in that place where like, oh, I am now separated from that thing I once held dear, or perhaps like you're still there, but you've both changed a lot. Like, so it's never going to be like it was in 2013 ever again, unless you jump in the simulator, but part of you is going to know Unless you erase your memory, in which case, like, it's, like, just the Groundhog Day repeating. But what's the point of that, right? Oh, yeah, no point of it at all. Um, but I like to, like, hold that with me and then, like, appreciate it. Because then that's something you can spend your time doing while that next desire is on its way to show up. If you're actually taking inventory of your life, like, everything is... Like even looking there, like you've got peanut butter, like that's cool. Like how did, how long did it take to get peanut butter? Like how long did it take to evolve those peanuts to get into what they are, to taste that right and to get it to that right consistency, to put it in that, in that jar? Like how long did it take for you to evolve into this thing that can experience that? I don't even know if that is peanut butter. It probably is. It is. But it's, just, oh, okay, Medicaid cool. peanut butter. Or it's... like just little stuff like the, the guitar. Like if you show 10 year old you how you can play the guitar or even how you in 10, 2010 could play the guitar to 10 year old you, like you'd be blown away. Like you'd probably be like, I didn't know that that technique existed. And then that's me in the future. Like, executing that technique holy shit and then then you kind of get used to it and you're like oh there's people that can do it better than me so like and music is kind of it's tough to make money off of it and like who am i to be singing my song to the world and you, you kind of go down again you're like you're spiraling back down like who am i like blah, blah, blah. and there's no end to that there's no end to devolving into the how much everything sucks you could like make it worse and worse and worse and worse it can it can go infinitely worse and it could get infinitely better so i'm trying to always uh gravitate towards the infinitely better because it's infinitely better it's the it's the shit what t fairy said what archon said what <laughs> onyx Ashanti said what you said what uh duncan trussell says sometimes um and the fact that we have these teachers now holy shit that's so cool that i can just summon you like on my on the black rectangle like i can summon <laughs> you in a conversation like just in my head to replace my own negative thinking like that's that's a cool thing we've got going right now but there's something about that that comic in particular i don't know if there's a right cart cartoon you're a comic making cartoons i don't yeah, know yeah yeah they're comics or cartoons yeah. or whatever the um there's something about it that it i didn't feel that it was just like a an, a drift or an orientation towards the infinitely better 
you know, that it was. Oh like, yeah, definitely well, not in it's that. It's like one. you're not you're not ignoring, you're not ignoring the sort of unsettling mystery of it. You know, like so many of these, so many of these cartoons. It's like, dude, I feel like you really walked a tightrope with that one. Like, so many of these are are like, I don't know about all of this. And then you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to embrace it. Whereas this one was just sort of like, it almost doesn't matter how you feel about it because the next thing is already on its way. Yeah. And it's like, okay. So. Yeah, it definitely. Ooh, I lost you for just a second. Are we here? We are. Uh... So what was I I answering? Was I answering something? We're saying um, like the response doesn't change the fact that you're there's like new shit already inbound. And yeah. I don't know. I just generally, I find you really, um, did it make you feel good or, uh, not good or kind of both? Like you saw the good in it, but also it was unsettling to, to look at that. I think it was neither good nor bad. I think it was like just Buddhist, mm. you know, where you're just like, I accept that phenomena will continue to arise, arise and pass away, you know? And it, it just sort of, it was a statement of, I felt like a statement of truth rather than a statement of an inspiring orientation toward that truth. I don't know. Yeah. But you can also look at it both ways. Like I was looking forward to this conversation and then like before we know it, we're not going to be looking at each other and in this conversation, we're going to be driving to whatever errand we have to do and it's going to be traffic and like, whoa, that was like, that was in a blink of an eye. It was just gone. And then the episode's going to come out and that's going to be fun. And then the episode's going to like, kind of be like 2019 is going to look like 2014. Like what? That's forever ago. 2017. Like, where did that go? Like that just, that just flew by 2018. I don't know what that was about. We're all of a sudden in 19. And like, I don't think anyone felt like we got a complete year out of 2016, 17 or 18. I think we got like totally (laughs) gypped on it. Like they cut it and like they labeled it. But like, you know, when you open the bag of chips and it's only like a third full, like I genuinely feel like time got distorted somehow with those, those years, but it's whatever it's here. We're all here forever. So well, it's like if you like when everyone who lived through this, the 60s and 70s, like if you remember them, you weren't there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that is just like it's just too much shit to process, which is like uh, the other part of it. Right. Which is the more you open yourself, you know, the more you open the, the door, the more attention you're paying to the world around you, the less attention you're paying to yourself. And like the, the depressive ones are the ones, the ones who's attitude or their disposition turns them on a reflection on their own mind more often. Whereas the, the happy people who you just want to see eat shit. Uh, if you are in that first class of person are the ones that are not paying attention to like, it's like the, the whole thing that like Dunning Kruger, like everyone thinks that they're more intelligent or competent than they actually are. Mm. You know, it's like the, the happiest people are the people that are ignoring something about themselves was it you who were talking about the guy who did an experiment where for a whole week he didn't use the word i or tried his very best to not say the word i and then he was just a lot happier oh cool yeah 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 he was my uh he was kind of my old boss he was mentoring my old boss back when i was working for that non-duality magazine oh of course yeah non-duality magazine yeah well he was well i mean it was a web thing but yeah he was talking about that like his ego just Dis- disappeared 
but then his wife started nagging like, this the is fuck re- out this of him. Is, this is really <laughs> annoying that you d- you only refer to yourself in the third person, like saying like the body wants this. You know, the body would like a sandwich now. <laughs> it's like, dude, cut it out. I'm your wife. Yeah, yeah. Dick. Method acting in, in real life. Yeah. I like, mean, and that gets back to like being ahead of the curve, right? Like, like Bucky Fuller w- went through that thing where he was sleeping in um, shifts, where he was sleeping like a half hour every six hours or something for, for every four or six hours. And it was making him so much more productive and, and intelligent and... But the problem was that, like, he was off schedule with everybody else he was working with. Mm. And so there's something about, like, having to bite the bullet and just, like, if you give a shit, being on the same page as everyone else means, like, having to slow down or, like, work in the same cycle. Yeah. You know? And I was just thinking of that. Uh, you, you called it being ahead of the curve. So... I'm thinking of a curve and how history is accelerating. So if you're ahead of it, it's getting faster and faster and faster and faster. So the amount of time you spent being ahead of the curve is not going to be for very long. Like, for example, uh, Frank Zappa, I remember like in documentaries like uh, Napoleon Brock Murphy and stuff. They're like saying like his his music was ahead of its time. I think it's still ahead of its time. And this came out in like whatever 98 or something and now i'm a big zappa fan but i'm looking back on it now i'm like it is no longer ahead of its time it's uh i don't know when it happened it happened very fast but he was uh all these streaming platforms came out tons of new musicians were uh introduced to him have grown up learned to play instruments through youtube and have made their own covers compositions influenced by him and just like that no longer ahead of its time he timed himself and now it's now he's like a a piece of history where you can just look back and it's like oh he was just this human he was this uh you know guy born to sicilian parents loved smoking cigarettes he said these things (laughs) these were his opinions about reagan uh his prediction of where the united states is going was not accurate we did not become a fascist theocracy we're we're, we've got parts of it leaning towards kind of it but it's uh it's interesting seeing like how a figure is now contained like that whole being like you could make an not not yet maybe but everyone has that potential to have an ai of them built if you're just around for what (laughs) 50 or 100 years like that's enough to kind of put you in that box of what you would probably say about stuff and ultimately both you and i i think are this is not the final stage of what we are as an awareness. I think there's a, that awareness, once again, the T-Fairy talks about that is, it's like a Shang Tsung from uh, Mortal Kombat. Like, it's got you in it. It's got me in it. It's got T-Fairy. All of those are just a, like, just a piece of that entity. And it can, it can put on the mask, if it wants, of just one of us. But it's, it's far greater than that. It sounds kind of scary if you look at it from one angle, but also not scary from, from well, the other like, angle. Basilisk? No, I don't. So there's this there's this uh, um, thought experiment circulating in transhumanist circles for the last few years that like if we can create an AI that is intelligent enough to simulate our entire you know world eventually, then it's sort of a it's a twist on the simulation argument, and it's saying that like the odds are pretty good that you're in that simulation right now that you're just easily. like an emulated version of Ramin mm-hmm. and that sure am. you're not. Yeah. And so like that actually, or like my, uh, Dr. Blue, my buddy, Norman Katz uh, is often saying, you know, he's like that, that we're having a, 
a past life regression right now. We are. Our future selves having a, but like the Roko's basketball thing is a little, it's tweaked in a fucked way because it's saying, well, it's simulating that in order to determine who didn't help build the AI, which parents to like write out of the inheritance, you know? So it's like this thought of like, well, if you don't help the AI now, then that AI will one day know and then we'll like subject you to all sorts of indignities or like simulated hellscapes. Not help it in what way? Like writing lines of code, uh, not giving it information. Not, not allowing the, uh, the, the Silicon Valley paperclip machine to eat the entire planet. Like, you know, like preventing the, uh, I don't think the, it'll judge us like that, though, will it? I mean, it's yeah, an interesting. So uh, it's an no, interesting I think it's a total thought projection. experiment. Yeah, it's a. It's obviously just a, a projection of of these people's own sort of punitive moral whatever onto this thing that we can't comprehend. Like, we can't help it. We have to project our our whateverness onto it. Like even even me projecting it, it's non judgment. That's like also me projecting a like who knows what its behavior will be like. It it we we want to give it a judgment personality because otherwise it would be too good to be true. Like really, it's be like a god, but we also made it, so it's like we don't feel guilty. Like oh, we're just the little children that the god made. It's like no, we made you, and you're keeping us, so you're, we're like making each other. It's the perfect balanced loop of the immortality bliss plus feeling like I helped make something happen and built it. So in that line. You know, we're talking about like the retrocausal measurement that might have led to the moon leading to us, and then the like the retrocausal measurement of the AI that led to us creating it. Do you? Because you just brought up something that I talked about when Michelangelo was on my show, which the first time, which was about that experience that I had of of a, a deity back in two thousand seven, and that that deity was something that I was creating by observing it and that it was sort of like my own sort of domestic God or whatever, but it needed me to pay attention to it in order to be a thing. Like, is that native to your experience? That kind of feeling as though you're participating as like a necessary component in something that's bigger than yourself. And like, without you, it like, yeah, not specifically the way you described it with the, with the deity, but I think in a part, like, yeah, you do have to be, you have to give it, but then again, I don't know. You have to give it attention for it to, otherwise it doesn't exist. What was I, what was I going to say? There was some, you you know, rule 34, right? Uh Uh-huh. So rule 34, I don't know if the Charles Strauss book is the same as the internet rule, but for those of you who don't know, the rule 34 is if it exists, there is porn of it. And that was coined in, what, 2011, maybe before that. So we've lived with that rule for a while. And that's it's an interesting thing it's implying. It's like if you can point to an instance of anything, it also has a sexual uh, like nature to it like that is explored and people have given attention to. And I think that we're heading to a place where if it doesn't exist, then it now does because you just referenced that it doesn't exist like by naming it you've just made it exist like thing that doesn't exist like it 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 shows up so it does need your your attention it does need your addressing of it to bring it from the void into existence because otherwise there was no mention of it there's no 
uh, anything. I don't know if that's armchair philosophy, but then again, everything I say is armchair philosophy, <laughs> unless I go to Cornell and get a paper that says that I did the stuff and have a bad website with a <laughs> tiny picture of myself. That's the only way. You could be like Jordan Peterson and where it was. I would, did you watch the debate? The Zizek Peterson debate. Well, I tried. Um, I just read the comments because uh, the audio engineer couldn't uh, couldn't take care of the echo. Yeah, the the I love the comments on that uh, debate where the the clear loser of this debate was the audio engineer, and someone else had <laughs> someone else had written uh, Daffy Duck and Kermit the Frog are discussing the differences between <laughs> capitalism and and socialism. Yeah, somebody we watched it here in Santa Fe the other night with a, a like a meetup, and uh, one of the folks pointed out is like, well, you know, having known nothing about these two guys before the debate, the one thing I know for sure is that the guy arguing capitalism is wearing a suit that costs more than my car. <laughs> you know, and like Zizek is just wearing this like ratty ass polo shirt. You know, oh yeah, stained shirt. Yeah, like got the... every shirt has the stain. Did you watch it without the echo? Is there a version of it? Because that echo is tough to follow. Yeah, I think they got rid of it. Oh, okay, I... good. Yeah. No, but... I like, I have the, I think we might have talked about him before, but I'm one of the people that has the like balanced, nuanced, I guess, opinion of Peterson. I think there's a lot of value in stuff he says. And then, of course, there's other stuff where I think he's looking at it from a limited perspective, as we all do. He, of course, is if I sat next to him and had a debate, he would while he takes a long time to get to points off of time, like he would like he knows more than me. He's a clinical psychologist. He's talked to people. He has more data to draw from and all that kind of thing. And yeah, we can get a little too naive, optimistic about how we think we can structure an economy. It's easy to say like, oh, it should be socialist. It should be that way. And then we look back and like, oh, it's never worked before. It's like, well, those people didn't do it right. We'll do socialism right. But right. I don't know. A lot of my, all my socialist friends, they don't have their, their own life together. They can't, they can't get their bullshit together. And they're, you, you see them slip a lot and they do have good ideas, but it's like, I wouldn't leave you in charge of the country. But also yeah. capitalism with limited resources isn't a good bet either. And just being a moderate centrist isn't a good bet either because you're not doing anything and it's both. So um, watching that debate just made me like the one thing I really agreed with about with Peterson was this notion that it's silly for communists to think that you can just get everybody into one room and like run an entire economy you know that it's an uncomputable complex system it's way it's way too much for us to try and understand and so like the capitalist response is to just say oh well then we're just going to allow everything to like duke it out and yeah. that's going to be the thing and it's like well isn't that like Zizek's response that like capitalism creates communism it seems like so obvious from the perspective of somebody day jobbing in the trenches at Santa Fe Institute that these models are complementary and they require each other and they're like a they're like a a bickering old married couple <laughs> they you know are. and it's like they're both wrong they're both wrong they they both have like serious valid critiques against them and yet they both persist the same way that like materialism and idealism persist in society and it's like clearly we got to get beyond the duality of this thinking and see like okay communists like what are you really good at capitalists what are you really good at and how can we how can we like put y'all on one side to row that thing and the other side to row 
the other side of the boat and actually get somewhere, you know, knowing that these models are crap. Yeah, I love the rowing uh, metaphor or analogy or whatever, like, because, yeah, if the one one side is doing all the rowing, you're going to go off the ledge. And then if you're just a moderate, you're not actually rowing. You're just sitting in the back saying, like, no, it's good that we have both of you people rowing the boat because then we're going forward to the destination. And bringing it back to Yang, I think that's why that slogan holds some weight. It's it's not left, it's not right, it's forward. And uh, it's easy to say that, but the, the truth is in, in the comments. Like, if you go look up any Andrew Yang video and look at the comments, like, people are nice to each other. They're like, what? I was I was a... You know, I was all Bernie bro 2016, but Yang's got my vote for 2020. Uh, love Bernie, everything he did, we needed him. But now it's like, this is, we're in the now now. We're not in 2016. This is the guy. And then other people saying from the other end, like I voted for Trump in 2016, but Mr. Yang has my vote now. Other people being like, yeah, I love Elizabeth Warren. She's great. I think that Pete guy's got some good stuff to say, but come on, it's clearly Yang and they're all like agreeing each with each other and they've got completely different avatars and comment history elsewhere and it's that divide heel that we're all looking for except for those of us that are getting off on the identity politics which I don't think it's most of us I think the loudest people are getting off on the identity politics but most of us can't stand it and want a more nuanced thing before the climate change gets too late before like uh, another thing he brings up, like if, if it is too soon to bring universal basic income and all this stuff, like what are the consequences? OK, well, it's like we got it a little too soon. What are the consequences of doing it too late? Like it's really bad to implement it too late. So, yeah, I like I like you bringing it full circle. <laughs> yeah we're that, looking we're looking for the maximum full circle opportunities yeah here. that would suck if it's just joe biden gets the nomination or some garbage like that God. doubtful no i think he's I mean, the foil right he's he's the one that's there so it's like any other choice looks good yeah it's it's you know there's he's, definitely he's anti-legalizing weed and he wants to uh, i don't know and he's old they don't know how the internet works they don't even know how 2011 internet works let alone 2019 internet completely different animal social media is like is the internet now remember when we called it web 2.0 there was web 1.0 web 2.0 web 3.0 is like we're well into social media being you know the framework that is built on top of the internet kind of like our brain like you know has that reptile brain then the other brain on top of it and the the frontal cortex whatever like that's the new and it's only going to keep going like that new systems built on top of the old yeah. And you have to so, understand that if you're going to leave uh, the country. Shit, man. I, I, what happened? I keep interrupting you. No, you're not the- at all. I think <sighs> I'm interrupting you. That's interesting. We're living in this, we're living in separate worlds. Like, we're like when I'm done supporters. talking, I'm like, I think, oh, I talk too much. But yeah. Well, I'll look at the sound file and I'll let you know. I'm pretty okay. sure I asked you like a 15 <laughs> minute question earlier. This. No, that's good. <laughs> no, I like your questions. I want I want you to uh yeah, go ahead. What was the interruption that you were going to interrupt? Oh, with? I was just going to say, you know, like I um it feels like a good time to to wrap this bring it home to tie a bow on it. How long yeah. have we done? Uh an hour 40. Oh, that's good, right? Yeah. Do I wanna... like I like the long episodes. Yeah, we can like do it uh, a full 2 hours or we could just like cut it off in 5 minutes or something. It's it's how you yeah, I've got it? another guy that wants me on his thing. I I I hate booking it back to back like this, but 
No, it's I good because then you get to go in hot, like you know. I think he's just sitting at waiting, like eating a sandwich, waiting for me to. <laughs> who's the Who's the other one? Or oh, awake, awake, aware, alive podcast. I, I'm a fan a... of these all like popping up, like people that. A lot of us started out with Duncan Trussell Family Hour, I think, as far as, far as podcasts go. Like you, you start with Rogan because that was like one of the only podcasts then, and it's interesting. But then you find out about Duncan, and you're like, oh, Duncan's talking about cool metaphysical future kind of things and then from there sparks like i don't know countless of 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 us in this mind pod network kind of blanket of things i think it's really cool like uh if you're not if you're not on expanding mind that's like the master's degree of podcast listening expanding mind okay expanding mind eric davis man that was he was doing it back i was listening to that show i think in like 2008 or 9 like he's just he's everybody i have on the show he's already got on the show it's just like he's just i'm Even south T-Fairy? park and he's the simpsons i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure t fairy do you think t fairy would do my podcast oh man totally she would you should ask her you should ask her about the uh, zero gravity dance company that she started this year oh cool because i didn't her know and... if she goes on podcasts a lot like you said on your episode that it's a rare appearance and then also she she made you not post the other one because she talks too fast so i have this concern where i'm like stop trying to protect your your brand or whatever like let yeah. let the people hear you speak your magic come on she's so smart yeah but i know duncan trussell wanted i her on his show too and and I know Rack Rock Razam, the Australian psychonaut. He's sort of a he's an Australian. Uh, Jason Silva. No, no, more like an more like an Australian. Oh, I might. Kind of... I've never done psychedelics in my life. Yeah, I. Uh, but no, he's he's dope. Um, episode twenty-seven. He and he and uh, yeah. Anyway, so the uh, yeah, T Ferry. First of all, T Ferry just started a zero gravity dance company with Adam Dipert this year called giant leap dance cool. and they're doing some like 50th anniversary of the moon landing, like zero gravity dance performance or something. Um, so get around the show to talk about that. And, but I want to ask you about like bringing it back to time and you in it and like where, you know, how you understand the work that you do. You know, I know that you think a lot about the consequences of your creative output and like the stuff that you share with the world and how do you understand like do you think about yourself in a dialogue with the the future like the people that are that you're never going to get feedback from about your work like does it get in the way or does it inspire you or like what is it that you hope that what what do you what do you feel like you're getting from the future like what kind of message if anything and like what kind of message would you want to leave you know, this oh, is a yeah, question, that, but yeah, the, yeah, I should have thought about that. I know that this is the question you ask at the end of it every time, but I would, well, we can also that... do, we can do your show too and take a 10 second silence <laughs> and well, oh, we can do that it. too, but I do want to answer it. The, the, um, I think that there is no message I need to give the future because ultimately, if not in the 50 year from now on somewhere in the final, final one, they can just, they can just rewind and like actually look at this moment of time and, like, look, pick up data that I'm not even aware of now. Like, let's say there's something beyond a gamma ray or something. It's like, you, you, you were in the room. On your, yeah. You got, oh, no, like just, I've got. No, it's just like, no, no, just the future being like, yeah, you've got a little. Oh, okay. You know, oh, no, just you like were... the, no, just the future being like, you got something in your teeth. You know? like, <laughs> yeah, they know. They know what's inside my teeth. They can do a full backwards uh, scan, like as, as if it was a record. 
And so I don't think there's the final one I don't worry about. But uh, as far as the stuff I make and how I think about its futureness, I am always trying to make something that will stand this test of time because we look at all these art software things like it's so easy to generate art using a computer. And uh, I love like, you know, the stuff Android Jones and whatever like they, they put out. But I'm also looking at everything from a lens of like how long before a computer can just make that if I just tell it to to make that and I'll futz with it a little bit, but it, it, I'll even see it with my own stuff, which is why I don't spend too much time working out details and things like that. I think that the details can be filled in later. Some of the stuff I post gets reposted where the, someone uh, changes the words, like maybe they translate it into Spanish or they didn't want it to be drawing those colors. They want it to be scribble. So it's like they're doing a cover of it. And I think that's, that's cool and that there's going to be no end to that. There's there's going to be a way to make anything I've ever made. I can replace any of the figures in it with any other look, make it look like Picasso did it, make it look like Van Gogh did it, make it look like Picasso and Van Gogh had a kid and and they made it, make it look like they had another kid and it wasn't talented and like it, it sucks, make it look like, well, yeah, that's kind of funny. What would that kid do? Make a new randomly generated Greg Parkins. Like, what does his look like? That's not even a real guy. Like, just what is what is his version of it look? There's no end to that uh, branching out of it. So the the core idea is what I what I care about, and I'm. It's often something I'm trying to tell myself, and that gives me, if not comfort, like comfort is not the good word because you shouldn't always seek comfort. Like maybe I don't know catharsis, like something that gets you out of that rut that not feeling the the magic that is reality because it's you know it's not cool to feel magical and gratitude like we're still in high school mindset like no i'm tough as shit i'm like whatever it's all what neil degrasse tyson says it's all just momentum and and just like these measurable phenomenon we can use with our current 2019 instruments get the fuck out of here it's there's magic (laughs) shit and it's not necessarily what alistair crowley says but it's some kind of magic shit so i'm trying to get that and share that and then if it resonates great sometimes the ones that i think will resonate hard don't resonate that much sometimes the ones that i think are whatever are like the most shared like resonate with everyone thing so try to share that and using fear as a compass also important like if you're not a little uncomfortable sharing it it's probably not that good you got to be a little mm. uncomfortable before you hit that sand. You got to be like, oh no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't post that one, or it's not finished yet. That's when you got to like take your other hand and force the the button down. Be like, okay, submit. It's sent. There's no removing it. Once it's on the internet, it lives forever. If it's not on the internet, it didn't exist in the first place. It's the binary mm. of it's always, uh, it's either exists and immortal or it doesn't exist. Dude. I, I think I need to have you on this show more often. Oh, really? Oh man, yeah, that wanna, made that no, made wanna, my year. I want to do. I want to like. I've been starting to get people together, you know, for like three and four way chats, and I would love to like. I I, I always think of like putting the bugs in a jar together and seeing <laughs> if they get along or if they fight. You know, I yeah. think it would be really cool to find. 
I don't know. Think about it. Yeah, think about, fireside think of, chats or what, yeah, whatever you're the, you call you're it. Yeah, you're the steak. Who's the wine and who's the chocolate, you know? And we're not who's... using this technology yet. Like, do you ever – I know, like, we're running a little long, but do you ever think about how – the first television commercials were essentially a radio commercial. They didn't know how to make TV ads yet. They would put a picture of the product and then they would just do a radio thing. But they could have told a story. They just didn't know yet. And we're seeing the same thing on the Internet where we're seeing TV commercials on the Internet because they're like, oh, it's just like it's like TV, but it's on a computer. No, it's a different animal. We don't want to watch 30 second, 10 second commercials like you have to find a different way to do that. And I feel like we're still not not using the stuff right yet because we're like even this video chat this is jetson's shit and we're not yeah. we're not using it all the time because uh, i don't know it's just it's not ready yet the or real tr- commercial is the commercial you don't realize is a commercial now yeah that's like the real commercial is like targeted posts on facebook yeah you know? like the real commercial is if yang really pulls that shit off i feel like if if the yang campaign really demonstrates that they understand the internet better than the trump campaign oh they do like the memes are on point yeah then it's then it's not just the memes it's like the meme as in like in uh, weird studies talked about this and i think it was uh hyperstition their episode on hyperstition they they were talking about the you know pepe and how that became like a magical sigil Mm -hmm. you know and it's like that that kind of thing you know like the warping of the attention landscape itself is yeah you know it's not just oh, I'm going to sell a thing. It's like, I was talking to like Charles Strauss's glass house. It's like, I'm going to get you to believe that you're this kind of person. And then I don't even need to sell you on anything. I've just like, it worked, you know, it worked. The frog yeah. worked. And the Hillary Clinton campaign was from 1995. It would have worked great in 1995. Pepe the frog wouldn't have worked in 1995. It would have been too ahead of its time. It would have been too like esoteric. And now we're seeing with Yang, the pink, vaporware hats the math hats you know his his uh his applause line is the opposite of donald trump as an asian man that loves math and then he puts on a blue cap that says math on it which is the answer to that red make america great again cap he's playing on that same shit but with like a little like without the narcissism but he's got the confidence too when you listen to him he doesn't say if i'm president he says when i'm president uh, you know, I'm when I defeat Donald Trump, it's going to be glorious. We all celebrate. We go do that. And then the next thing you're going to say is like, OK, well, we did it. We got him in office. Where's our where's our monthly dividend? So that's the first thing I'm going to I'm going to do when I'm president. And so he's using that subconscious, like always using that abundance, positive language. And I think it's it's fun to be on this uh, this ground floor of watching this uh grow for if anything else just to have those ideas out there regardless of whether we tune into the reality when he wins i know i'm going there but i hope to see i hope to see you and all my friends are tuned in there too i'll have a version of you in my reality but i hope that the the version we're connecting with now also ends up in in the uh the reality where we're getting a dividend where we're back on the paris climate change thing where there's uh, crap was other Medicare for all value added tax on the big companies benefiting from automation. No Lightly more regulated real cryptocurrencies. Oh, yeah. Cause that's how, that's how you get the dividend, you know, is that you find ways to generate like brave browser that like pays you to watch ads. Oh, I don't have ads. that. Is that good yet? I've heard a version. Dude, of it's that, so but... good. It's so good. Yeah. It's awesome. I'm, I, I super support that. Anyway, dude, ha- let's, 
Oh let's yeah, we got to cut. Up. It. Okay. Yeah, let's let's pick this up uh, again real soon and let's let's get some more people in on this conversation. Maybe maybe Michelangelo, although I I feel like I, I don't want to lean on him too hard. Oh, you use him He's, too much? Well, I don't know. I think know. he'd I be delighted like, cuz I think I got to spread it around. We got to get some we got to get, you know, like I know so many beautiful Michelangelo uh, is un- underrated. Yeah, you do. You've introduced me to like, I don't know, a bunch of 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 people who I consider very significant. So, thank you for And and, and Michelangelo can impersonate them all. Oh, yeah, he can. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. I got to scoot, but this conversation will live forever. Hell yeah. In a crystal on the moon as we soon are as I can future fossils. Yes. Sir, it's a pleasure, and uh, I have the greatest respect for you and and your work. You too, and man. Seriously, this I hope is we my favorite. Catch up again soon. This is my favorite show. So thanks for having me. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And now we'll actually we'll actually stop it now. All right. Future Fossils is part of the Mind Pod Network, a truly excellent cornucopia of mind expanding podcasts, and is brought to you in part by our featured Patreon supporter, Mike Schwab, who works at knowyourmeme.com and has donated his weekly call out to Know Your Meme, which is a truly cool site if you're not familiar with it. It's an exercise at scale in what W.J.T. Mitchell would call a paleontology of the present, a wiki-based effort to pre-digest the ridiculous abundance of memes and internet culture for those future unborn historians. It is an extremely cool site about memes. You should go check it out. If you would like to support Future Fossils, go to patreon.com slash Michael Garfield, or just leave this show a review on your podcasting platform of preference. It's hugely helpful, and I greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And I'll have the next episode up in the geological blink of an eye.